and welcome to ADHD Friendly. I'm Patty Blinderman. I'm a professionally certified ADHD coach and the creator of the ADHD membership that is designed to tilt the playing field so that we're thriving with ADHD. I invite you to check it out at ADHDfriendly.com. All right, this is episode 103. Whoa. I cannot believe like we just kind of like breezed right past the 100 yeah. episode mark and now it's just like shh, <laughs> already at 103. I have a celebration tied to my tip again this week. I'm trying to look for opportunities to do that more so that mm -hmm. the celebration is kind of tied to the tip where I can or the tool. Yeah. And it's forest bathing, which I may mention to you. I'm not sure, but I'm going to go into what that is in just a second. Mm -hmm. And then the topic for today is family traditions. So I'm going to be sharing some ADHD friendly ways to approach family traditions right. so that they're sparkly and fun and not heavy expectations. Love that. All right. So. Let's dive into forest bathing. When, when I told my family what I was doing, I did this last week. It was a library program that was offered through my library. Everybody was like, because <laughs> it's, it's cooler here. So it was right. definitely not like bathing outside kind of weather, but forest bathing has nothing to do with bathing. It's oh, basically yes. bathing yourself in a forest and in, in, in like the, the sense of being like surrounded by trees okay. and like you would be surrounded by water. Yeah. bathing it's, it's instead of water bathing forest bathing yeah. Okay. yeah so this is my tip and celebration so this all came about because I read a book about six months ago and it was by doctor and I'm, I apologize if, if I say these incorrectly I'm going to do my best but doctor I'm just going to call him dr lee because the first name is q-i-n-g I'm not quite sure how to say it dr king lee um, and the book is called Forest Bathing, How Trees Can Help You Find Health and Happiness. So Becca, we'll put a picture up. Yeah. Uh, if you're watching this, uh, is that possible? Mm -hmm. <laughs> As I'm promising it live, Becca's like, sure, yes, yes, we can make that happen um, so that you can see it. I was hoping to have it to hold it up, but I don't have it in front of me right now. So we're going to plunge ahead. Um, so I want to read you a quick summary of the book. Um did I finish with the title of the book? Did I get distracted by my excitement? Forest, forest, forest bathing. bathing, how trees can help you find health and happiness. Yeah. Okay. So here is a quick little summary. Um, so it says, notice how a tree sways in the wind. Run your hands over its bark. Take in its citrusy scent. As a society, we suffer from nature deficit disorder. Mm. <laughs> uh, but studies have shown that spending mindful, intentional time around trees with the Japanese call, again, I'm going to try to pronounce this correctly, shinrin-yoko, okay. or forest bathing, can promote health and happiness. Ooh. So the book itself is a work of art. It has over 100 pictures of forests all throughout Japan that Ooh. Dr. Lee took in his practice of forest bathing. And some of the pictures just created such a sense of calm. Like I literally was like, this is like, it, it's not that big of a book, but yeah. I was like, this is like what I would imagine. Like you'd have it open on, on a coffee table. It was a large book Ooh. or you'd want to frame the pictures. They were so stunning. Oh. And for a book to print pictures that you just feel when you're looking at it, yeah. a connection, it was, it was just so well done. So I highly recommend the book. It's, it's a little, little, little like side secret. It's going to be a favorite thing for ADHD friendly. Cause it's just so good. But so I read the book and I was fascinated by the idea of it, but I was also a little overwhelmed because in the book, Dr. Lee talks about how ideally you're spending two hours in the forest 
for it to be really an experience of forest bathing. Oh. Well, number one, I don't have forests like there's not like right near me that I could just like right. I mean I go for walks every day and I do have trees near me, but it's not a true forest experience. And two hours? It's a lot. That's of- a lot. That was hard. So when I saw a two hour program offered by the library with a guide that the library contracted with to oh hold the walk, gosh. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so that's my celebration. I stepped outside my comfort zone. I knew I wouldn't know a soul there. Yeah. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen because mm-hmm. I've never done it before. I was going to a place I've never been because I have not been in a forest since I've lived here. Yeah. I've gone to the forest preserves, mm-hmm. but I never felt like I was really in a forest. Yeah. And so this was at a far, a, a nature center and it, it did very much feel like a forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the benefits I just wanted to highlight, and this is again from Dr. Lee's book, is that forest bathing can help distress and boost your health and well-being in a natural way. Mm-hmm. So it's literally tapping into nature to mm-hmm. boost your health and well-being instead of kind of medical alternatives. So it was amazing. I am literally looking at buying a burr oak tree oh, because I fell in love with them. And yeah. my the guide for our forest bathing walk is also a um, master gardener. So most of the time it was very quiet and she was the only one that spoke and kind of gave us different um, invitations is what she called them. So like, we'd have like an invitation that she would give us. And the first one was to walk throughout the forest paths and look at all the different shades of green. And you really never pay attention to how many different colors of green there are. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, there's green, but there are so many different, even within a single leaf, there are so many variations of green. So it was, it was very meditative. Mm -hmm. And then she would give you about 10 minutes and then she would give a coyote call (laughs) to bring us back. And she did, she did a coyote call, which was actually pretty accurate. That's cool. Yeah, it was very cool. But so if you wander a little further, she, you know, you could hear her and know it was time to come back to the group, but there were five different prompts throughout the walk. And then we'd come back and, you know, kind of like ground ourselves in the next, yep. And then, and then the next um, invitation she would share might be like, notice what you smell or notice what you hear, um, Mm. touch, you know, and, and. I was already touching the trees before we got to the touching part because the burr oaks, which I had never heard of. And I asked her what they were after the first um, invitation period, because the first one I came to was just breathtaking. It was literally the prettiest tree I've, I've seen. And I don't know, maybe like definitely one of the prettiest in my life. And I felt so drawn to it. It was just beautiful. And I remember at the very end, you know, getting towards like the last uh, 20, 30 minutes or so, I was just looking up during the last invitation. And this woman that was doing the walk with me came up to me and she was like, what's up there? The tree. I was looking at an owl or something because I was staring at it for so long, but it was, the branches were just so pretty. It was just, I I probably sound very tree hugger. This was a, a, a burr oak, oak B-U-R oak. And so I've looked and I can order one. It'll be very small, but the, the bark has like these really deep grooves in it, mm-hmm. like two inches, like, like really, really profound grooves. Ooh. Maybe I'll, I'll have a picture put up of that too. They were just, so it was almost like mesmerizing, just looking at the grooves within the bark of the tree. And the first one I saw, I kept thinking my entire family, there's six members in my immediate family yeah. could stand around it and still probably you know, have a little bit of space for somebody else to come in. Like, like it was the oh, diameter of it was big. huge and it was just stunning. So, and then the, the 
forest bathing experience ended with a tea ceremony, which was just lovely. And she, she makes her own tea leaves combinations. And so she brewed the tea and she, we all got little, you know, little like, you know, environmental, um, friendly little cups that would be able to be recycled and that kind of thing. But it was, it was just lovely. So we did the whole walk and then we knew at the end, we'd have a little tea ceremony. So it was just the best two hours I've had out like and the time went by so quick and I did not miss devices like it was really interesting so I highly recommend it my celebration is I did it I loved it um I didn't really meet people because you weren't really talking but it was so wonderful just to have the experience of doing the a tea bathing ritual so I pulled some tips for beginners if this is something that interests you and the first tip is to turn off devices. And that's sure. really key because you don't want to be pulled from your, your experience and connection to right. being amongst the trees by having, you know, ping. Oh my God, you know. ruin the whole moment. Yeah, it just takes you out of it. The second is to slow down. I think that is so true because what I found was she was speaking so slowly and calmly that I was like initially like, okay. Huh. Oh, like get it out. And I just wanted to like walk past her and just kind of like move out of my, and I just, you know, was forced to slow down because everything was about being present in the moment and slowing down your breath and staying connected. So, um, I, I thought that tip really did resonate with me after, cause I, I, I collect this after my experience. I didn't want to have this as a tip if I had, if I hadn't done it yet, yeah. which is why even after I read the book, I was like, I'm going to wait. The third tip is to take long, deep breaths. Mm-hmm really connecting, like letting the air go and fill you down into your stomach. The fourth is to stop, stand and smell what's around you. Listen to, listen to sounds and notice the different colors and even the variations of the colors that you're seeing. The fifth tip, and this is going to be, I think the one to really highlight and give yourself permission. If you're trying to start a a little bit of forest bathing yourself, stay as long as you can build up to the recommended two hour for the full benefit of forest bathing. But if you can spend five or 10 minutes in the forest, that's more than nothing, allowing yourself to build up. And if this is something that interests you and you try it, we'd love to hear. Again, this is episode 103. Yes. So post in the episode comments, if you've already done it, maybe this is something that you've been practicing for a long time. Maybe you have some additional tips to help us get started or to do it with more ease. So Again, post in the comments if this is something that you're interested in trying or you've got some tips if you're already an expert at forest bathing. All right, now for a word from our sponsor. Hello, friends. I'm ADHD friendly girl. Are you overwhelmed, unmotivated, run down? Do you stop before you start? The answer to your challenges can be found at ADHD friendly. ADHD Friendly is where we, where we make the doing easier. Join ADHD Friendly today and start tilting the playing field in favor of your ADHD brain and start thriving. ADHDfriendly.com, where intention meets action. All right, we're back. All right, so our topic for this week, Becca, is ADHD Friendly Family Traditions. Ooh. So the reason that I'm highlighting and really kind of underlining ADHD friendliness that there is a lot of times people will have a lot of family traditions and they create stress. Mm -hmm. 
they're difficult to keep up with. There's a lot of expectations. So we're not enjoying them. Mm -hmm. So I want to really, my intention in this topic for this episode is to invite you to explore what are your family traditions and are they serving you? What would serve you better? So just to explore if there's something you would add that you would let go of, that you would tweak, what would it be? I'm going to share some examples and some tips and just invite you as you're listening or watching to notice where you feel energetic and where you feel drained, because those are always the, the clues that something could be sparkly and interesting. And something also could be not really suited to where you are or the way that your family works. So I remember when Mark and I first got married, my husband and I, and we were starting our family, we moved when we got married like literally three weeks after we got married, we moved to a state that our family did not live in. Ooh. And we were both from the Northeast. We moved to North Carolina and that was it. So we were pretty much on our own. Yeah. And that was very freeing in a lot of ways because we didn't have to worry about, Other you know, maintaining like the, the, the kind of the status quo of family traditions because yeah. we weren't going to be around our families right. for the majority of the year and the holidays. So we got to decide what we wanted to do. And that was kind of like a nice clean slate yeah. because we were able to talk about like, what do we do as kids? What do we really like? And what do we want to intentionally decide to keep in place? And what did we want to, like, we're not doing that. That is, that's something, you know, I always hated having to do or whatever. I love that. So we got to pick. Okay. And so what I remember about that was how sparkly it was that mm -hmm. I got to literally decide only what we wanted to do and not have any baggage. Mm -hmm. and, and not everybody has that. So I want to acknowledge that a lot of people have you know, extended family and different things that it's like, there's an expectation that everybody does this on this day and everybody, you know, brings this or participates in this way. That's a whole other conversation. If that's, you know, not serving you, but yeah. there might be like little things that you can do to start kind of having a little boundary around what, what you can tolerate. So it's not draining you and it works better for you. But what I noticed when I was setting my own in, in terms of what, what I wanted to do for this holiday or for this event or for birthdays, was I felt it was really important to honor what I felt like I could maintain. Now, this is before I knew about ADHD the way I know now, and I did not know I had ADHD. So I was still even then aware that there would be certain things that were really hard for me to keep up with. Yeah. And I, I just let it go. I just remember being like, mm, nope, I might, that, that might be really fun to do once, but I would never want to do that every single year. Yeah. And so I resisted doing things that I, I knew intuitively I'm not going to be able to sustain that over time. Right. And so I just invite you to notice if you're looking at some family traditions of your own or some traditions in your own life and family, I always want to highlight is whatever your family is, right? Mm -hmm. So however you define family, does it work for you? Could you maintain it? Or what prompts would you need to support yourself to maintain it? So I've shared before, I have lots of lists. I have calendar prompts to remind me of different things. I have notes in my calendar, calendar prompts to remind me yeah. where I go or what I did or you know what order I do things in. I have in my personal owner's manual, I have a whole section on family traditions so that I've captured what we do, especially like for like Thanksgiving and Christmas, Yeah. what order we do them in, who did things each year. I just, I keep like a little log so I can go back and just pull it instead of having to rack my brain to try to remember it. Cause yeah. you would think I've been doing it for this many years, but every time it's so much easier just to pull the list than to try to recall things and worry forgetting something yeah. there's something that's getting left out so it's just so much easier to write it down and keep it in a personal owner's manual mm -hmm. than to try to keep it in your head or just trust your brain to remember all the details um so 
I wanted to start with some examples of my own family traditions and just invite you again to notice if you don't have a family tradition around an area that I'm going to share, do you want one? Or maybe you want to let one go or tweak something if you already have traditions. So this is just a, a couple of examples. So for around Christmas, I am huge into Christmas. So I have, we're like, my husband reads the night before, nightmare before, nightmare before Christmas, the night before Christmas. We do, we do love the night before Christmas. We don't read that. We read the night before Christmas, every Christmas Eve. Oh. That was a tradition that started like literally when my daughter was a baby mm -hmm. and he's read it every year since. And oh. it's just, even he still does it. Like my kids are all like way past the age of sitting and listening, but every, and he, he does like different voices now. And it just turns into something like my, my, yeah. my, one of my kids read part of it as being because well, he can do a, a Bane from Batman impression. It was pretty funny. Um, we do ornaments every year. So I pick out different Hallmark keepsake ornaments for them and they get to open the ornament when we decorate the tree, which is typically the day after Thanksgiving. So they get their ornament and I, every year they get an ornament. So they basically, my intention was when they were little that when you go, when you move away and you start your own home, you'll have at least a handful of ornaments. Uh -huh. Cause when I got married, I had zero ornaments and sure. I literally walked around my apartment complex, picking up acorns or um, pine, pine cones yes. and put little ribbons on them and tied string and hung them from the tree. Yeah. And that was our first Christmas tree because we had no ornaments. And, right. and I mean, I, now I look back and I still have some of them and I still hang them on my tree every year, but I wanted my kids to have like a starter, like ornaments that meant something to yes. them from their childhood. And I do that. I finally decided the cutoff age is 25 because my oldest turned 25. And I was like, there's got to be an end to this, right? Because <laughs> so, it's, it's, they're not, they keep getting more expensive. So I'm like, all right. So, but it's very sparkly to get them out every year and to see them. I also do PJs on Christmas Eve. So they always get a pair of PJs to put on. I do an annual newsletter every Christmas, which I've shared a celebration before yeah. because it's basically like a family history over time. It's one of those things. I don't do a lot of things, but doing that every year is really kind of pinned down what we did every year. And it's like this record of our family. Um, we also do a family picture every year. Um, it takes different formats, but we always try to get a family picture. And then for family traditions, just overall, like what we do as a family. Mm -hmm. um, when my kids were little, because I have four kids, it was really hard to spend one-on-one time, one -on -one time with them. And so we came up with a thing called first weekends. And first weekend was where my husband would take two kids and I would take two kids. And usually we'd split it boys and girls because we have two boys and two girls. But sometimes we would be like, just rotate it. We're like on one day, I would like on that first weekend on Saturday, I would take one of those two kids. Mm -hmm. And then on Sunday, I would take the other kid and we would do something just the two, the two of us. My husband would do the same with the other two kids. Mm -hmm. And then the following month, we'd rotate. So I'd get the two kids that he spent time with their first weekend before mm -hmm. and he would get. So it wasn't perfect, but it just put some structure around something that we kept trying to spend one-on-one -on -one time but struggled to follow through with it. And again, I now know how common that is with ADHD, but at the time I just knew we have all these intentions, but we're not doing it. So we put structure around it. So it was called first weekends. Love that. We also did Friday um, pizza. We always had pizza. We used to make our pizzas every Friday. Oh, fancy. And the kids got all into like helping knead the dough and put the ingredients on. And then we do most of the time movie night. I think I told you about wanting to do game nights. My kids weren't the best at playing games. Didn't work. It was, it was a whole thing. So mostly it was family movie night. Um, but we also had happy hour on Fridays that preceded the pizza night where I would make milkshakes every Friday. Yum. And so it just became like this like fun thing where we'd go to the store and buy the ingredients yeah. every week. So we make sure we have everything to make them like sparkly. 
that. And then on Mondays, because school isn't like the happiest, easiest thing for all of my kids and Mondays were always tough. Yeah. We started a, a routine. There was a Sonic right near our house. So we made it Sonic Monday. So after school, it was during that Sonic happy hour window. Yes. And so on the way home from school on Mondays, kind of to kick off the week in a positive when they got up Monday morning. Remember when I pick you up, we're going to do Sonic Monday. Oh, and then they got and a treat. They got a Sonic blast oh, on the way home from school on Monday. Then the, it made the day bearable for them to look forward to this. Exactly. It was kind of got you through that Monday morning, like slump with a little bit yes. more interest. And again, I didn't know about how ADHD was showing up in my family. I just knew Mondays were very Hard. difficult things. So I had to find something that was an incentive to kind of make you think about something other than I have to get up and go to school after the weekend. Um, and then a couple of other family traditions that, that I've always admired, but I've never instituted consistently. One of our, my son's best friends has a um, Sunday dinner every Sunday. I mean, like clockwork, my son does it still. Oh. Where they go over my other, anybody that is in my family that lives in Raleigh has gone to Sunday, Sunday dinner, dinner at his friend's house because they're just like, yeah, come on over at Sunday dinner. And I'm just so admire the structure of that. Mm -hmm. I don't cook. So this is not something that I would do. And Sunday nights typically for me were like, oh no, 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 no. Like I am like, I'm in that Sunday scariest. Yes. Like I'm trying to like gear up for the week. There's no way I could have navigated that, but I so admire that structure yeah. and the connection. Cause everybody was like, oh, what's for Sunday dinner this week? It was just expected that they were all going to come together as a community and oh. have Sunday dinner. So um, I wanted to just share that. And the other is my best friend, um, and her family, when her kids were little, every single week, same week every year, went to the beach for a week. They rented the same condo. It was the same week. They booked it every, at the end of the week, each week that they went on vacation, yeah. they booked the following year. So it was already set. And I was always like, how do you do like, Again, I didn't know about my ADHD or any of, you know, how that impacted it, but it was just like magic to me that you could plan and execute a family vacation. Mm -hmm. I had so much admiration of that and, and really a lot of envy because I wished I was able to do it and I couldn't quite figure out how, yeah. um, vacations were always one of those elusive, like how do you plan and navigate yeah, a vacation that just requires so much forward thinking. Um, Lots of planning. but you know, again, if, if you get some structure around that, that's something that you can rinse and repeat. So I think of that as a family tradition. And the last but not least, birthdays. I've shared this in the past when I did the birthday episode. I don't remember what number that is. Maybe you can pop that up there, Becca. Sure. But um, I had them, I, I kind of had a family rule that the, the tradition was until you're 10, you have an at-home birthday party. Mm -hmm. And you pick the theme. You can invite your age plus one kid because yes. they were in the house and that's it. And I always took a picture for the birthday invitation. And that kind of became the the keepsake too of what was the birthday theme and the theme kind of came through in the picture mm -hmm. that I took of you. So it was just a thing. So those are just a, a little example of some of our, my family traditions. And then I just wanted to highlight today.com had an article about family traditions to start. So it just kind of listed some ones that if you don't have enough family traditions, or maybe you don't have any yet, and you're thinking about starting one, I wanted to show, to share just a couple of them. Um, they have a fall leaf nature walk. I'm like, where you're just like, okay, the leaves are changing. We're going to go for a walk. Yeah. My family in our house in Raleigh, we used to, our neighbors would put out um, luminaires on Christmas Eve. And we used to take a Christmas Eve luminaire walk. Oh, that's And sweet. it was just part of what we did as soon as, and I missed that since we've moved here because th that isn't part of what happens here. We do. Um, yeah. yeah. It's just not a, not a thing. Um, a holiday pie or cookie baking. We do cookies as well. You so that one's sparkly. That, um, a summer camping trip. <laughs> Sorry, I am not at all an outdoor camper kind of person, but if, if that feels like, oh, 
maybe we could just camp, you know, that might be like a more accessible thing. If that works for you, that's an <laughs> example. Um, spring gardening, decorating before the holidays, um, go on parent child dates. I oh, like that. That's kind of like what we did with the it. first weekend. Um, celebrate birthdays with a special recipe. They even have watch ground groundhog day celebrations. I'm like, that's interesting. Uh, Valentine's day cards. Uh, and then like, if you celebrate like Easter, decorating Easter eggs or Easter egg hunt. So there's yeah. lots of examples. Um, one, another one I just want to highlight, um, an annual family barbecue. Ooh. My dad created an annual family walk that we did every year that he just did because he has had a number of yeah. siblings and lots of, you know, our cousins. So we had lots oh. of nieces and nephews and we'd all come together. And we walk once a year. And the last one is a weekly gratitude jar. And I like that a lot. So maybe you have a jar and you just like put things you're grateful for in it. And maybe you read them once a week. Oh, I love um, that. So just some ideas for family traditions to explore. Again, this is episode 103. If you have another to add or something that you've decided to let go of or tweak, post it in the comments. We all, as I always say, we learn from each other. So please share what family traditions you have, or you would like to add anything about family traditions or forest bathing episode 103 share that's it for this episode becca as always take what works for you leave behind what doesn't if you're looking for more support around adhd i invite you to check out adhdfriendly.com for lots of offerings i have tools on there to support your personal owner's manual i also have my membership platform adhd friendly where everything we do is designed to tilt the playing field so we're thriving with adhd that's all for this week until next time tally how